0: Welcome to the Scott Stebbin Podcast. Uh, Scott here. Uh, so good to uh, do another podcast. Um, recently, I kind of updated and got some broadcasting software for, for some of the uh, streaming stuff I do uh, on some of my Twitch sites. Uh, so with that being said, um, I thought, why don't I try doing it with a podcast and try to have more group um, interviews, especially since most of us really have... A lot of time on our hands. Uh, so I thought this might be something good to do, something that might be favorable to do. So uh, with that being said, I want us to go ahead and um, and talk about a topic that's been, um, been very interesting to me. And the title of it is Why It's So Hard to Share Our Faith. And I feel like a lot of times when it comes to uh, sharing our faith and why people hesitate to share their faith, it's um, it becomes very layered. Um, and actually I was trying to get someone to do a guest spot with me and, and so far, like no one's said they would do it or they had time to sit down and do it. Um, but, um, there's some people have commented on the topic. So I want to kind of quickly read through, um, a little bit of these topics. Uh this one actually comes from my buddy Nate, who has done a podcast with me before. And in his opinion, here's some observations. And he makes uh three observations. Uh one observation is that they don't really understand it. Um which is which is which I'll get into that. Uh the second thing is they don't really know it. Um and then deep down inside, they don't really truly believe it. Faith for the majority is fire insurance. And then, of course, he says, how many know what's inside their insurance policies? Uh, very good point, Nate. Uh, so, let's, so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about sharing faith and kind of um, why we're in this um, predicament. And kind of what really wanted me to kind of talk about this is I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine who was just having a lot of issues at work. Um they're they're in the construction business and um they're dealing with people who are not being very nice, being very cruel uh to them and and to other of the workers that uh that, that she works with and um and just kind of in a conversation Uh, She said, you know, it's very difficult for me to be able to share my faith with my coworkers who are dealing with these people. And, you know, I was kind of wondering, well, why that was. And then they continued to say because these are people who claim that they are Christians. These are people who when they when when the uh, construction workers were putting up the walls, they wanted scripture verses written on the uh, studs. So that, you know, I guess the walls can be anointed with scripture, anointed with prayer, or whatever the reasoning is to put these, um, to put these, uh, you know, to put these uh, scripture verses on the studs of these walls. And now it's like they're being cruel, they're being nasty, um, and... And it's almost, and for my friend, it's like, well, I don't want to talk about Jesus and share because already they're hearing about Jesus. They've seen people who say they love the Lord, but definitely by their actions and how they are treating them, um, it's it's not going so well. So it really kind of made me think, well, why is it that people don't share their faith? And I think it's it's and. I think it goes to through a lot of things. So kind of addressing Nate's and then I'll go ahead and focus on Alicia's uh, stuff real quick. Um, But, uh, you know, they don't really understand what salvation is like. Why? or, or, Or maybe even understand like, and again, I'm trying to think about Nate's comment is, You know, maybe they don't understand how to share their faith, or actually what their faith is. And I know, you know, when I looked at a couple weeks ago during uh, Holy Week, I preached on, I preached on, um, you know, from that title was from Death to Resurrection, and how through Jesus' resurrection we can have new life. But I I started off by looking at the uh, scripture in both uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospel, where uh, Jesus is sleeping in the boat. There's a great big wave. Crashing down on the boat. And in Matthew's account, uh, Matthew, I believe, Matthew says, Jesus, when Jesus is talking to disciples when he wakes up and he calms the sea, he he asks them, you know, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Um and Mark's account of the same situation, um Jesus says, You have no faith. And in Luke's account, which Luke's account's interesting because what Jesus says is he goes, Where is your faith? And I kind of like that. Where is your faith? Because where again does faith come from? Well, faith comes from the Lord. And even looking at the Apostle Paul, a lot of times Paul always talks about faith in Jesus Christ. So our faith is in Jesus Christ. So when I think about sharing our faith, we're basically sharing Jesus. Who Jesus is, what Jesus has accomplished, um, and especially how is Jesus transforming our lives. And I think that's and that's going to be a key word when I talk about transformation, because transformation is a big part of the ministry that I do um, within the church and even without outside the church. So when so going back to Nate's thing that most people see Faith as fire insurance. um, There's there's some validity to that statement. Um, Again, like I studying church history and you know seeing you know from Jonathan Edwards to even the Second Great Awakening and everybody who's a part of of the Second Great Awakening, it was very interesting where you saw in the in the earlier American Christianity, it was always about salvation. And the reason why we get saved so that we don't, so when we die, we don't go to hell. Which, interestingly enough, especially in times of crisis, usually that's when people will begin to flock to the church, will flock to Christian leaders, uh, whether they're legit or not, or... Or maybe confide in neighbors who are have some sort of religion because they want to know about their faith. And I believe what kind of happens is when people are scared, when people are frightened and they do end up going to somebody – whether it's a pastor an elder a neighbor or a Sunday school teacher whoever someone who claims that they are a christian and they go oh something's happening you know what do we do the default in people's mind uh, that they go to is well y- you got to have faith in jesus cuz when you accept jesus into your life when you pass away you will go to heaven and you will not go to hell However, that does not give any kind of hope in the current situation. We're talking about eternity, but we're not necessarily talking about the here and now. How does Jesus help me through this crisis? And I think one of the biggest issues and kind of, I mean, growing up in the nine, especially going growing up in like the throughout the 90s. Um, I felt like the 90s was almost kind of like a Christian revival renaissance in some ways. You know, it seemed like people were going to church. I remember being in youth group and it was the what would Jesus do bracelets. And at that time, you know, Christian music was starting to become more... was starting to become more popular, was starting to become more mainstream, especially with artists like Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith. And especially as we move later on, especially towards the late 90s, I mean, we really began to see Christian music, especially early 2000s, I'm sorry, like late 90s, early 2000s, where that line between what's Christian and what's secular is blur, as you started to have bands like MXPX and POD and Under Oath kind of Make those leap into more mainstream, um, more mainstream record labels and hit a more mainstream audience than outside of your uh, youth groups and church circuits that and uh, Christian festivals that they were a part of. So you really kind of had this mini revival in the '90s of um, of people always going to church. People love going to church. They love being a community. And, you know, everything was always great, but. Um, I really didn't really understand or know how to share my faith. I can remember, I think uh, maybe one of my friends from youth group who may be listening to this, maybe they may be able to, uh, to say something. But I remember sometime in the nineties, I remember Billy Graham had one of his like, one of his like big evangelistic um, um, crusades. That's what they're called. The Billy Graham crusade. One of his crusades in Cleveland, Ohio And I believe it was like four or five days. And I remember um, Salty was there, which was the Bible puppet. (laughs) Um, also I think DC talk was there doing a uh, performance and I can remember like going into church and there would be people passing out flyers, go to the Billy Graham crusade. People were holding up signs. I never went, uh, mainly because my parents worked. So it wasn't like, and I don't believe that there's anyone from our youth group. Our youth leader says, Hey, let's get in the church bus. Let's drive up to, um, Jacob's field. Uh, to go see Billy, go to the Billy Graham crusade. But I mean, they were like four day events and people would f- go from everywhere just to hear Billy Graham evangelize. And, and I'm not going to knock Billy Graham, but again, when you think about evangelists, a lot, and especially that whole evangelical motif, it's always about saving souls. It's always about salvation, 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 which go into my buddy's Nate thing, salvation becomes fire insurance. So then when I talk about my faith, my faith is like, well, have a relationship with Jesus so that you don't perish and go to hell. And I felt like from the beginning of American Christianity, even into the 90s, that was still kind of the main mentality. Um, Really, as far as discipleship, like no discipleship whatsoever except, well, you got to be in church. That that was your discipleship. Be in church, be involved, and that's how you get discipled, which I believe is true. But I never really understood how to share my faith except, hey, why don't I invite some of my friends to youth group because we're going to have a little bit of a devotion on Wednesday night, but then we're going to play basketball we're going to play some wacky fun games or, hey, come to winter retreat with me, come to summer camp with me, come to um, International Youth Convention is going to be in Cincinnati this year. Uh, so please come with me to this. And, you know, and or even like before, like even like the Promise Keepers. Like I remember going to a bunch of Promise Keeper things like in the 90s. Um, so it was, so you really saw this boom. Um, and then when 2001, September 11, 2001 happened, a lot of people flocked to the church because they were scared. And I believe all they were hearing was well, this is the Lord's doing, or at least what I kept hearing, this is the Lord caused this so that everyone can get right with the Lord and get back in church so that people can be saved, which I think people did. But at the same time, when things started to calm down a bit, when things start, when we started to go to war with Afghanistan, started sending troops over there to Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran um, to do the war on terror, um, There was not much disciple. People didn't really know to share their faith. And really, there was no incentive to share your faith because everything was starting to kind of normalize again. All the strong emotions, the fear, they're starting to get put to rest. So when fear was being put to rest, I believe people then, then began to go back to their old ways. And really, what I believe is the church had really missed the opportunity to be able to capitalize on these people's fears and be able to disciple them, which I think is why my age group, or at least age group I'm put in with the millennials, you know, why a lot of them aren't going to church. Um, And then I think from that, we have seen a dramatic paradigm shift when it comes to evangelizing. It's no longer the, you need to get right with the Lord so that you can go to heaven, And not burn in hell, we went to the other side where God loves you, no matter what's going on, no matter what you've done, no matter what's going to the world, God still loves you. And from that, it's almost like, okay, well, yay, God loves me, so it doesn't matter what I do, God's always going to love me, which in turn doesn't really show any type of transformation, It's basically like, hey, if God loves me, cool, God loves me, doesn't matter what I do. So I'm going to continue to live my lifestyle. I'm still going to continue to do whatever I feel is right. I'm still going to continue to, you know, if I'm someone who does something that's harmful to my body, like, I don't know, like. I, don't know, like I drink all the time, and I get drunk, and when I'm drunk, I'm cruel to people. That's acceptable, because God loves me, and it doesn't matter what I do, so I'm going to continue to drink, I'm still going to continue to berate my wife, I'm still going to continue to berate my kids, but hey, it's okay, because God still loves me. So there's no transformation, and... I think a lot of times – and going to Alicia's, Alicia's comment, she says it's not taught in many churches how to do a discipleship. And I think it makes people uncomfortable to do because you are vulnerable and um, you don't know how to. And I think in her comment, goes, I'd rather show someone my faith and live it out than talk about it. Well, okay, I agree with that. And I think there was a time where I believed that that was true. Where, hey, actions speak louder than words. So if I'm a Christian, I'm just going to continue to live a Christian life, live Christian virtues, let people know that I'm a Christian. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to get all preachy and, and just be like, Oh, hey, you know, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Hey, you should come to church with me so that you can, so that you can learn about Jesus. You know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to act right. And I think from that mentality, and especially how I lived my life, uh, I think that worked. And I think a lot of people knew that I was a minister. They knew that I wasn't very preachy, but they knew that I lived out, but I did practice what I preached. They did, I practiced what I believed. And I believe because of that, they knew that I was a Christian. They knew that, you know, that I was kind of in a way breaking down barriers and stereotypes that Christians were just always religious fanatics and judgmental all the time but at the same time there was a part of me that felt like well i'm breaking down walls i'm breaking down stereotypes but where's the transformation i mean a lot of times when i look at the scriptures and i'm trying to read again i don't have my bible on hand but i believe there's something where in romans where the apostle paul says that if you believe that Jesus Christ raised from the dead and you proclaim his resurrection, then you are saved. So a lot of times when it goes, it's a salvation is a belief and it's a proclamation. And I believe when it comes to that, it's about me believing that Jesus is who he says he is and that Jesus has risen from the dead. It's also for me to proclaim that, Hey, Hey, Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He is who he says he is. He's the son of God. Here's where it says in scripture um, that it says, here's how Jesus has worked in my life. And I think this is where transformation comes from. Because if I'm being transformed by the Holy Spirit and I am working towards building this life, living this Christian lifestyle, then people are going to see that. I think about um, the fruits of the Spirit. Where, you know, where the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, um, self-control. And when I think about all the fruits of the Spirit, these are things that should be exhibited in my life. And if they are not exhibited in my life, then if I'm truly being transformed by the Holy Spirit, if I truly am living out and believing who Jesus says he is, then that's when I believe the Holy Spirit convicts us so that I can think about and go, oh, you know, I wasn't being very kind when I was at the grocery store. I was being very kind to this person. Let me go and I, I'm i going to apologize. You know, I'm going to try to make things right. You know, I want to reconcile. And I think, you know, and I think from that comes humility and reconciliation. So going back to my buddy who's having this work issue, When I see somebody who says they're a Christian and wants the construction workers to write scripture verses on each stud to be put up on the wall and then goes around and treats them cruelly does mean things to them, even to the point where it's making the workers not sleep, not eat, affecting their physical health, affecting their um, emotional health, and even their spiritual health for those who do have a faith in Jesus Christ. Um, To me, that is wrong. And to me, I think... Why it's difficult, especially for my friend, to share their faith because these people that are, that they're dealing with are definitely sharing their faith in Jesus, but it, I don't think it's the Jesus that I share my faith with. Uh, they may say they're filled with the Holy, they're filled with the Spirit, but I, I definitely not holy um, because again, whether. It's just their personality, whether they have some woundedness in their life, which is why they feed off being cruel to other people. I don't really know these people, and I don't want to make a judgment based on their psychology or what they're doing. But I'm almost kind of curious if they say that they are Christians, have they really been transformed by the Holy Spirit? Have they really been taught on, hey, if you say you're a Christian, you must do and say the things that Jesus taught us to do. I mean, I think about the Great Commission. I think about Acts 1-8, where we're supposed to go out within our cities, within our communities, within our state. We're supposed to proclaim the gospel at all times. We're supposed to live out of faith and share our faith at all times, and we're not doing that. Even when I think about... um just kind of the state now. And again, I don't know if it's just um, culturally or if it's just, um, but even just with younger kids now, you know, a lot of times I don't really see a lot of young kids sharing their faith. I don't really see a lot of teens saying, hey, guys, why don't you come to my youth group? And again, I don't know if that's because of the culture we live in, I don't know if it's because, because I always hear, especially from the students here, that, you know, oh, well, we're not allowed to talk about Jesus in school. I'm like, what do you mean you're not allowed? to you, Yeah, you can. You can, I mean, you can't force people, um, you know, you can't go around and tell people, hey, you need to believe this or you need to do that. I mean, it's the same way as like, you know, if, if I say, hey, even if I say, hey, I think Michael Bolton's the best singer in the world and someone disagrees with me and they say no it's um Susan Boyle it's like that hey you know I love Jesus and they go well no thank you Jesus is not for me and that's it I mean I don't see detentions being handed out but yet there's this mentality that oh we're not allowed to talk about Jesus we're not even allowed to read your bibles I'm like well yeah you are because that's a first amendment right a and secondly You can read any book. If I read the Bible and the person next to me is reading Harry Potter, that's fine. I don't care. But there's been this mentality that for students that they're not allowed to share their faith. That they're not allowed to talk about Jesus. And on the flip side, there's also this other side where it's like, where it's going into the church. Like if I can't talk about my faith in school or even invite people to church activities, then... then how do I get my friends to come in and hear about Jesus? And I think the mentality for younger kids is like, well, if I can't bring them to church, because I'm not sharing my faith, because here's the thing, and I'll, and I'll be honest with me, like, I wasn't one who shared my faith a lot in high school, mainly because I didn't know how to. At the same time, I did know, like, hey, let me invite them to church so maybe they too can learn about Jesus. They too can be saved, you know, so that they don't burn in hell. Because, again, that was kind of the teaching and that was kind of the Christian culture of that time in the 90s. Uh, But now, you know, I feel like that there's going to be a culture shift where people truly want to know the real Jesus. People truly want to know what it means to know Jesus, what it means to live like Jesus, and what it means to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. And I think think a lot of times that's going to be more difficult because in reality that means that you have to be obedient to God's word. It also means that when you make a mistake or when you do something wrong, you have to go and make it right and apologize, which... Human nature, that's against human nature. And I think for some people, especially kind of the culture we live in now, I feel like humanity in general has become more narcissistic in some ways where everything's about them. I mean we live in the selfie era where it's all about taking pictures of myself. It's all about me. It's not about anyone else. So even though that may be an Instagram or a Facebook thing, it's going out into our personality. I think even I read like statistics and even read stuff in psychology magazines where people who are always taking pictures of themselves, you really start to sow the seeds of having some narcissistic personality disorders, which I can see that. I definitely can see that. So when things, so when we live in a culture where it's all about me, and what i want and what i desire then and you know sharing my faith is only going to be a benefit for me because again when we think about people talking if i go and i say hey everybody i led 5 people to the lord today oh praise the lord like it's almost like it becomes a competition hey even even a lot of times on easter i know easter was way different this year uh, Resurrection Sunday, Holy Week, whatever, whatever words you use in your traditions. Because I know before, like after um, Resurrection Sunday was over, there would be a lot of people, a lot of churches that would post, "Praise the Lord! We had twenty-three people give their life to the Lord. We had three hundred and fifty baptisms. You know, we and it all becomes about numbers. Because again. Having a bunch of numbers means that you're doing a good job. Jesus didn't care about numbers. Jesus cared about do people truly understand that the kingdom of God is here? Do they truly understand what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom? See, I would rather have one person get that and grow in their faith in Jesus because they understand what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom than to have 10 people who gave their lives to Jesus for the first time and have no discipleship, have no transformation. And, then they, and after that fire fizzles out, they go back to living their same old lifestyle and live a life unchanged. So I think why it's hard to share our faith to answer that question, I think it's three things. I think first, we're not trained how to. And if we, uh, second, if we are trained how to, it's about making sure people are saved and not people are transformed. And three, I think the reason why it's hard to share your faith, because there are other people who claim that they're Christians who are not acting very Christ-like. So then when one has to share, wants to share their faith with somebody so that they, because they love them and they really want them to be transformed by Jesus and really have that relationship with Jesus. It, they've, they're already facing an uphill battle because there's been so much woundedness from people who have been wounded in the name of Jesus Christ and have used his name and profaned his name because they're not being a good reflection of the one that they say they serve. So I think that's kind of why it's hard to share our faith. So what's the solution? Well, I think the solution goes back to three things. First of all, be trained in how to share your faith. I mean, the Apostle Paul and the disciples, they were sharing Jesus even to the point where they were physically knew that they would be killed. I know if I share my faith, the only thing that's going to happen is my pride's going to be wounded. Or I may have my feelings hurt. Or the worst, someone go, no, thank you, I don't want to hear about Jesus today. That's it. I'm not in a country or in a state or in a community where if I talk about Jesus as someone who doesn't want to hear about it, that I'm going to get two bullets in my head. Or I'm going to be thrown in prison and beaten and put in shackles for my faith. The only injury I am going to cure is someone saying, I don't want to hear that. So we have to put in perspective that we're not going to lose our lives for sharing our faith, but there is something valuable in sharing our faith. It's to be able to get, to be able to share the hope that we have in us in Christ Jesus. And if, And I know there's one good book that I mean, there's a lot of great books about how to share your faith, but I know the one that I've read was by a guy named Doug Pollock called uh, God's Space." And basically, it's just like, how do you have spiritual conversations with people naturally? Because again, sometimes it's like, well, it's very uncomfortable and it leaves us vulnerable. Well, what if you just, what if you just randomly kind of talk a little bit about Jesus or ask a question? And 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 again, like the way Doug writes in his book, I mean, it's very simple stuff. It's not brain science. It's just more of you're just having regular conversations, and and sometimes people will say something and may say something. And it's like these little bite-sized pieces. It's like these little jigsaw puzzles. Like, okay, they said something. Now let me go ahead and talk a little bit of my faith. Let me start adding a little bit of a piece to the puzzle of their faith journey. Because what I believe is that every single person is a spiritual being and every one of us is on some sort of faith journey. And, um, so that's that's what I believe, and I believe that that's something that when something like that comes up and you start adding your little pieces to the puzzle to their faith journey and you start sharing your faith a little bit, then I think in a way that's when you will start to see change. And again, like I'm not hoping that within a month or me sharing my faith that I'm hoping every time I share my faith I'm going to win one for the Lord. Because that's the, that's the wrong mentality. To me, I would rather talk to someone over long periods of times, even decades, as they're searching for something in their life. And hopefully they're able to not only understand who Jesus is, understand what he taught, and understand what it means to be a believer in Christ, And then watch the Holy Spirit transform their life and have them do great things for the Lord through their life. I'd rather have that than quickly get someone to be saved so I can mark them on a tally ballot and say, Hey, Lord, look at my sheet. I I led 25 people to the Lord. And I don't want the Lord saying, well, you know, they never truly knew me. They may have raised their hand. They may have looked at you. They may have prayed the sinner's prayer. But there was no transformation. I mean, again, the Bible, does the New Testament doesn't stop at Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I mean, we have Acts and we have all the epistles on how to live a Christ-centric life. Um, the second thing is practice humility. I mean, really, I mean, if you say you're a Christian and you do something or say something that is wrong, um, admit to it. Admit to it and say, you know, I screwed up. I'm sorry. And actually own up to your shortcomings. I mean, and I know that's hard. And especially in our culture today, I think it might be really hard. But when you practice humility and you practice it, All the time it gets so much easier it's like it's like doing an exercise you may hate running but if you jog a little bit and you try to go a little extra while like my wife is kind of doing a couch to 5k program and already she's talking about her accomplishments hey I was able to jog for a full nine minutes without being winded well that's great that's wonderful. And then, you know, over time, you know, that nine minutes is going to be 18 minutes to an hour, you know, of of jogging or running without being winded. I think that's wonderful. So, you know, it takes. And then lastly, and this is probably going to be the challenging one. Always open yourself up for rebuke. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be the hard one. And here's why. Because I also believe that the way we grow in our faith is sometimes we need to have the things that are not bearing fruit to be cut off. And anything that is bearing fruit also needs to be cut or pruned so we can grow more fruit. I think about Jesus in uh, John's gospel when he talks about the vine and the branches. You know, if I have good friends who are also Christians and they see me doing something or saying something that is not showing uh, scriptural virtues, not really showing the image of Christ uh, in everything I do, in my words and my actions. I would rather have somebody pull me off to a side and say, Hey, dude, I see what you're doing. And I'm going to rebuke you in the name of Jesus because you're definitely not acting like Jesus. I would rather have that than continue to say that I'm a Christian, continue to say that I love Jesus and continue to be and to continue to live a life that is not very Christ centered. I mean, so when I open myself up to rebuke and I allow people and give people the permission and the accountability saying, hey, if I'm saying something or I put something out on social media, if I do something that does not fit in with with my faith in Jesus, then call me out on it. Don't do it publicly and embarrass me because obviously my wall is going to shoot up and I'm going to say, you know, get out of here. I don't want you're not my friend anymore. And, you know, we go back to, and that's going to be it. Um, but if you pull me privately and you say, hey, man, I'm seeing something, I'm noticing a change in you that's not very Christ-like, what's going on? Let me pray with you, let me help you, let me equip you, let me disciple you to get over this hurdle so then I can go back to making amends, making things right and being able to and be able to continue to let the light of Christ shine in me. So again, that is, um, so that's kind of, again, why it's hard to share our faith. Uh, those are my, um, that's, there are my answers and there's my solution. So guys, thank you so much for listening or watching, depending on, uh, what, what you're, um, what you're, where you're viewing this podcast from again, for podcasts, you can find any podcast software. We're pretty much on every, I'm pretty much on every, uh, podcasting, uh, platform, Apple Music, Spotify, uh, Google Play, um, any, basically anything that you can find a podcast, I'm probably on there. Um, also, you can follow my, uh, you can go to my website, thescottsteadman.com. I post a lot of stuff on there, post episodes, and then also you can go to my YouTube page, Um, If you go to my YouTube page, uh, that's where you will find a lot of um, my podcast from there. So you might be able to watch, especially this video presentation. Uh, This video is probably going to be uploaded there. So then hopefully that will be um, something. If it works well, I might be continuing to do video and then just strip the audio from it and upload it to the uh, audio podcast. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening and watching. I hope you have a great rest of your week. And I will talk to you soon. Take care.